You notice that the sermon title might be, uh, might sound a bit uh, with a negative tone to it, a nation under God in a time of crisis. But I believe that first of all we are a nation under God. And I secondly believe that we are a nation in a time of crisis. This morning as I came in for the 845 worship, I had on a coat and a tie and I had on my American flag pin and I was uh, chastising some of the folks because they didn't have on uh, red, white, or blue. Uh, and I said, those of you in red, white, and blue look very patriotic for this 4th of July preparation weekend. And the rest of you in your purple and green and brown and black, I don't know what to think about you and your patriotism. And uh, one guy walked up and he says, well, I see by your pen that you're in distress. And I looked down and my American flag had gotten turned upside down. My little pen had gotten turned upside down. And you know, that is a universal sign that when an American is in distress, a ship or, or whatever, that that flag upside down represents that it's in a time of distress. So I just simply said, well, you know what? I said, that pen is responding to the title of the day's message, A Nation Under God in a Time of Crisis. I want you to look with me in your Bibles to the scripture reading for today, uh, Psalm 11. It's kind of isolated in the Psalms. But I think uh, as David wrote these words, I think he was acknowledging the same thing that I'm acknowledging, that his was a nation under God, but it was facing a time of crisis. Now, we're not sure exactly what it was, but I think there were some things about the righteousness of those who believed were being chastised, being threatened, and being called into question, and that he was concerned about what was happening in his land. He was seeing the evil ones who were rebelling against God, but in all of it, he saw God seated in the heavens and reigning and ruling over his land. See if it doesn't make application to us today. In the Lord I take refuge. How then can you say to me, flee like a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bows. They set their arrows against the strings to shoot from the shadows at the upright in heart. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? See, David saw the foundations of his nation and their faith being destroyed. He said, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. He observes the sons of men. His eyes examine them. The Lord examines the righteous, but the wicked and those who love violence his soul hates. On the wicked he will rain fiery coals and burning sulfur. A scorching wind will be their lot. For the Lord is righteous. He loves justice. Upright men will see his face. Why are we a nation under God, but in a time of crisis. I think it's because of what David said, that the foundations are being destroyed. The foundations of our nation, the foundations of our society, the foundations upon which this nation was built, and upon which God has bestowed His blessings in abundance, those foundations are being destroyed. And what can the righteous do about that? I think you would have to agree with me that we are living in some times that are crisis times. The situation, the conflict, the war in, Afghan, in Af- Afghanistan has yet, not yet uh, been resolved. Our economy certainly is not back yet on solid ground as we had hoped it would. And that's had a trickle-down effect. Reports uh, from last week indicated uh, that through all this time of turbulent economic downturn that most Americans have experienced a loss of about 40% uh, of their net worth. And it's shown in a lot of different things. 
We've placed a different emphasis upon the offering, not just for the day, but the ho- what we hope to carry through. So you some of the things that we do in the life of our church. And so you have a vision for that because, quite frankly, you look at the financial receipts and we're giving less than what we gave before. And we've been flat for about the last six or seven years in what we've given. Some of that's due to the economy. Some of it's just simply due to the fact that some of you aren't willing to trust God with your money. Now, we know that there have been those of you who have been hit by the job market, downsizing at your place of business. But the main thing about stewardship is that it's about prioritizing. So we know that the economy is not yet back on stable ground. Let me ask you this then. Have any of you been outraged or concerned about the proliferation of pornography that just simply seems to permeate our land and so easily accessible on the Internet? Are any of you troubled about the pressures and problems that our homes and our families are dealing with today? Issues that are just having the potential to to rip families apart. Are you disturbed about the general collapse of morals in our land? Are you dismayed by the increasing emphasis on materialism in our day? Are you concerned about the corruption that continues to be unveiled at every level of government? See, there are still scandals in the business world, scandals in our government. We are a nation in crisis. Now, I don't want to be a prophet of doom today because I love celebrating the 4th of July. American flag flies at my house every day. I'm proud to be an American. I believe that still we are the greatest nation on the face of the earth. And I am most privileged and fortunate to be a citizen of this great land. And I am certainly indebted to those, our forefathers, who had a vision for the freedom in this land. And certainly am I indebted to those of you who served in the the armed forces to to protect and to defend our freedom in this land. And certainly for those who gave their lives and paid the ultimate cost. At the same time, I have a concern about the future as to where we're going as a nation. And I believe the next 5 to 10 to 15 years are going to be the most critical in the life of our country, the United States of America. I simply see the foundations are being destroyed. And we as the church are supposed to be the righteous, so what can we do? I'm not a prophet of doom, but I want to call you to some challenges that, that I see are necessary and are found related to this Psalm 11. The first thing that I would encourage us all to do is to celebrate our heritage and our blessings. Psalm 32, 12, the first portion of it says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. You see, that's why we need to be a nation under God, because God will bless us when we certainly are under Him and when we live in accordance to the way that He wants us to live. John Adams wrote his wife Abigail after the signing of the Declaration of Independence And in his letter to her he said that Independence Day should be celebrated with pomp and parades, with shows, games, sports, guns, balls, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of the continent to the other from this time forward forever. Well, I think we do a pretty good job of that. Some of you might have been on Lake Murray last night to see the fireworks display. Uh, some of you maybe have gone to other fireworks displays, or there will be others uh, that will be taking place. There are some things I love in life to enjoy. I love to watch a parade, and I love to watch fireworks. And I just, there's something about that that excites me, and I like that. I'm hoping this year, though, once again, that there will be some great television shows I can sit in the cool comfort of my home and watch television <laughs> give to us the firework display. Uh, they've done some great jobs of that and great music to entertain us. Great sense of patriotism. 
You know, if you're not going to feel patriotic on 4th of July, when in the world are you going to feel patriotic? You see, we need to remember our blessings and celebrate our heritage. See, our nation was founded under God. The Mayflower Pilgrims declared their intention to establish the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, quote, to the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith, end quote. Six times in the original draft of the Declaration of Independence, the word God appears. And some of the references were edited out in the final draft, but I think the idea of God's participation in the American dream is still evident. One of our historians has said the American dream is clearly of Christian origin. We are a nation whose heritage is firmly rooted in the leadership of Almighty God. Not only that, but our nation's founders were committed to freedom. See, from the beginning we have been committed to liberty as one of our inalienable rights. And our nation has served as an example for other nations that struggle for independence and liberty and freedom. And they have set their governments up inspired by our leadership. We've been a trailblazer in freedom and human rights. And that's certainly something to celebrate. Because we cherish that and because we despise tyranny... That's why we have fought on the beaches of Normandy and other places in World War II. That's why we have fought in Vietnam and Korea and and in Afghanistan and Iraq and other places where tyranny rules. It's because we believe in that concept of freedom. Ours is a nation whose leaders have been dependent upon God. It was George Washington in his first inaugural address who said, It is now my fervent supplication to that almighty being who rules over the universe that his benediction may consecrate the liberties and the happiness of the people of the United States. There's Abraham Lincoln saying, I have been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for the day. My Country Tears of Thee was written by Baptist minister Samuel Francis Smith. The Pledge of Allegiance was written in 1892 by a Baptist minister Francis Bellamy. And the words in God we trust are traced to the efforts of Reverend W.R. Watkinson. I would say that there is no other land, no country, and no people, and no government as blessed as we are in the United States of America. And that certainly is something to celebrate. To celebrate both our heritage and our foundation. And in this time of crisis, I think we need to remember the foundations. If the foundations are being shaken and being destroyed, the righteous, we can at least remember that. And when we remember that, then I think that moves us on into a second act. And I think that is that we need to cultivate a lifestyle that honors God. We're not sure what the crisis was that inspired David to write this psalm. But I think he saw several things. He saw God, the sovereign God, the holy God seated in the heavens. And he knew that God saw everything that was going on as mankind lived on the world. And I think God saw then, as David gives us that picture, and I think we affirm it in our own faith, that that God saw the acts of the righteous But yet he saw the acts of the evil ones who were destroying the foundations of his sacred land. For David, that was Israel, for his nation. But I think we see the same thing taking place in our land today. And for that reason, I suggest that we need to cultivate a lifestyle that honors God. 
Proverbs 14.34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. So we need to cultivate a lifestyle of righteousness. Because we honor God by doing that. And we bring down God's blessings when we do that. But when we are in the disgrace of sin, then David even makes it perfectly clear in Psalm 11 that God sends His judgment down. His eyes examine them. The wicked and those who love violence, His soul hates. So what are some suggestions for us? If you're going to cultivate a lifestyle that honors God and righteousness, it implies sovereignty. It means that there is an absolute, that there is an absolute to this concept of righteousness. And that absolute is to be found in God who is our sovereign God. Our culture today, our society today, whatever you want to call it, post-Christian, post-modern, whatever, is one which, which does not have a sense of absolutes because the foundations have been destroyed. But let me remind you that God is the sovereign God. And it doesn't matter what our idea of righteousness is, it's His idea of righteousness that we need to cultivate in our life. Psalm 98 verse 2 says, The Lord hath made known His salvation, His righteousness has He openly shown in the light of the heathen. It's God's sovereign. He chooses what is righteous and what is not. Secondly, it implies a standard. I think our society today despises a standard. They want to do their own thing. Uh, I read something interesting uh, this past couple of weeks about in our culture today so many people are non-churched. And it's not that they are not religious, but that they are affiliated with the, the religion of none. And what's happened is they develop their own sense of spirituality and develop their own sense of morals and their own sense of values and righteousness. That's what happens when you rule yourself by your own mandate rather than by God's. And so we need to understand that when we come under the sovereignty of God, it implies not only His sovereign demand, but also the standard that God sets. That's the standard by which we measure ourselves. Not by who's seated beside us, not beside who sits beside you in the classroom or the next office over in your, at your workplace. Not what your neighbor across the street or down the street does. Or not what you see portrayed in television and movies. But it's the standard set by God. Amen. Psalm 119, 142 says, Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and thy law is the truth. That means the Bible is the truth. And then I think it implies then a submissiveness. We have to yield to God's standard and to His sovereignty. Proverbs 22, 28 says, Do not move the ancient boundary which your fathers have set. Uh, and that passage of Scripture had in mind the boundary markers with which people would mark the property lines that they would have. And it was a terrible shame and sin and a felony if you tried to cheat somebody by moving the boundary markers. Now, we have various ways in which we mark our boundaries. We know that good fences make good neighbors, right? And so some of us have fences around our property and we mark it that way. It's interesting to go in uh, some of the most coveted land in America found in cemeteries. You notice that? That they've got that place marked off and staked off and they've got it with, uh, with initials and all kinds of stuff there because nobody else is going to be buried in that plot. But see what this, other, what this further implies about this with the boundaries is we're not just talking about moving the boundary lines of property but we've moved the boundary lines of what God has said is right and wrong. 
And we have to make sure that we are submissive to what God says and not set our own principles and landmarks. I think we are being disgraced by sin, which is the second part of that verse today, this morning. And we need to hear the challenge that God would give to us if we want to see some corrections in our own life and in the life of this great nation of ours that I hope that we love. And I hope that we don't take it for granted, the freedom that we celebrate. And I hope we don't become complacent in our freedom in Jesus Christ. But we need to hear what God had to say to His people many, many years ago when they too were wandering away from those boundary markers. In 2 Chronicles 7.14, God says this, and it's still, it's still the pattern and God's plan for revival and God's blessings upon His nation. If my people... That's us, the church, you and me, who are called by my name, who are Christ followers, will humble themselves. If we will simply submit and yield ourselves to God and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That's what God says we need to do. To so we're in a time of crisis in our nation. And we need to start a a rebellion or a revolution that leads us not away from God, but back to God and claiming our freedom in Christ. If we are the majority, we can't remain silent anymore. We need to be the people of God who are willing to submit to God, humbling ourselves, praying earnestly, seeking His face, repenting from our wicked ways. And when we do that, then we'll experience the blessings of God. So that's a call to integrity and character based upon the standard of God and not our own standard of righteousness. And there's a third thing, I think, that's implicit in this this psalm and a challenge for us on this Freedom Weekend. And it's simply this, that we need to communicate the life-changing message of freedom in Jesus Christ. That is, of course, the greatest freedom that there is. William Penn said a long time ago, said, men must be governed by God or they will be ruined by tyrants. I really honestly believe that the only hope for this nation is a true revival where God's people are willing to see that God has literally brought the world to us and the diverse people and religions and faiths that have come and permeated our culture and our society, even here in the Bible Belt. We still send missionaries like our mission team to Honduras. And we'll send missionaries to other parts of the world. But we also have to open our eyes and realize that God has sent us a mission field. And if we are concerned about which direction America is going and how the Christian faith is being treated, then we better be about proclaiming the freedom in Jesus Christ and winning more people to faith in Jesus Christ and reclaim this nation for God. John 8, 36 says, If therefore the Son shall make you free... You shall be free indeed. That's true freedom. It's freedom from sin. It's freedom from guilt. It's freedom from fear. It's freedom from any condemnation from God. And it's the freedom that allows us to know all the blessings of God bestowed upon us as His people. We are a nation under God. We have been blessed abundantly by God. At the same time, we're a nation in crisis. The foundations are being destroyed. What will the righteous do? I challenge you 
as the righteous, the people of God, to pray in repentance and ask for God's blessings upon this land, to grant wisdom to our leaders, to grant them a sense of Christian compassion and and that we would know that God is God and that Jesus Christ is Savior and that we would live that and that we would proclaim Him so that the true freedom that sets people free from the tyranny of sin, shame, guilt, will lead them also to acknowledge the God who gives us ultimate freedom and that our land will once again be blessed. Father, we bow before You and we acknowledge that You are indeed the sovereign God. And we thank You that You come into our midst and into our life to bring blessings to us. And that You have given to us the pattern of righteousness as we see You in Scripture. Today, Father, we pray for our nation that we the righteous would be about establishing once again our nation upon the foundation of Christian principles and belief. And Father, I pray also that those who are contemplating decisions about freedom in Christ, maybe some from our Bible school, uh, will come today and acknowledge You as Savior and Lord. Maybe others will come to be a part of this church and join us on our mission in Northeast Columbia to see lives change for Your glory. So, Father, speak to our hearts during this time. And may we respond in faith through Jesus our Lord. Amen.